You've tuned in to Talking Flames, a Calgary Flames fan podcast hosted by hockey superfans Ryan Hunt and Reese Martin. Come by every week to hear the best mates with the hottest takes for your Calgary Flames. Welcome to Talking Flames, a brand new hockey podcast covering everything and going into a deep dive of your Calgary Flames. I'm your host, Ryan Hunt. And I'm Reese Martin. And wow, first episode. What do you want to call this? The the pilot? Is is that what they usually call first episodes of like big TV shows? Yeah, that that's correct. The pilot episode. Yes, I love it. What do they usually do in pilot episodes? Um 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 thinking thinking. Oh, yes. Usually they introduce themselves. Who who are you? Best uh, friend of like what, 10 years? Who yeah, are I, you? I guess it's been it's been 10 years now. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. My name's Reese. Uh I was born in Northern Ireland. Uh Lived in Canada for the last 10 years. Uh, currently going to the University of Lethbridge in my uh, fourth th- fourth year of a physics degree. He's smart. That's what that means. I, I like to pretend. Very. So uh, I guess... Uh, oh, shut up. I've been a huge Flames fan. Uh, I guess I'm also a New York Mets fan for baseball and Pittsburgh Steelers fan for football. So it's What? Been a... you're, wait. I'm sorry, cut. You're a Steelers fan? Yeah, I'm a Steelers fan. What? I... <laughs> I don't know how you didn't Best know friend that. of 10 years. I did not know that. So, but it's it's, it's been a tough week for me, though, because <laughs> Mets got booted in the wild card. Oh, my gosh. The Steelers are, are struggling right now. Anyway, back wow. to you, Ryan. I, <laughs> I act, okay, I'm not putting on an act here. I actually did not know he was a Steelers fan. But anyway, my name is Ryan. I don't have that interesting of a backstory. I was born in Calgary. And I've been uh, spending most of my life in uh, High River, which is just a half hour drive south of the city. I moved here, I think, when I was like three. Yeah, I was three years old when I moved here. Um, but yeah, no, I um, I'm a recent graduate of the uh, radio, television, broadcast news program, majoring in radio over at SATE. And um, yeah, I am a diehard flames fan um i've lost count of how many jerseys i have at this point i think it's not it's not like a staggering amount i think it's like five or something (laughs) four or five i can't really remember um what else about me what else is interesting about me oh other teams i'm into um of course you know i'm a stampeders fan um I am a Raptors fan. I lo- uh, I love the Raptors, and I'm also a Blue Jays fan. Uh, pray for me. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not, I'm not a very interesting fella. I'm not smart like this guy over here. I just did radio school. I'm like, woohoo! It's not that complex as you think. But anyway, yeah. So that that's pretty cool. We decided to do this podcast like, geez, like in the middle of the summer right in the middle of the summer of Brad. And I remember I was actually going to go up to Reese about uh, doing this podcast right before Johnny left. And I was about to say to him, I was like, oh man, I have a great idea. Let's start a podcast. And then Johnny left. I was like, I don't know. There won't be much interesting things to talk about because this team might suck. (laughs) And then um, Kachuk got up and left. And I was like, you know what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe this is like the worst time to start a podcast on the flames and then the trade happened I was, and then i think literally like the night of or the next day i said to you was like do you want to start a podcast and you're like hell yeah absolutely so yeah here we are yeah we're we're gonna try and make a normal upload schedule of like mondays we're just gonna talk about like you know the games of the week previous um any um other nhl news thing like buzz around the league and all that jazz and yeah this is a bit of a special exception um only because you know season openers tonight hella excited i've been waiting for this day for so long feels like it's been forever hella excited for the season opener tonight and um we actually have this episode recorded three times this is our third time <laughs> recording this one yeah <laughs> because the first one just kind of what happened oh yeah no we, we we didn't get um branding done in time and by the time we got our branding done 
it was like super outdated. Um, it was before is before Kadri signed. It was so it was yeah. like eh, it was super outdated. And then um, we had one recorded. I think was it. Th- I think it was Thursday last week. That's right, yeah. We we did the second episode one. And we did, maybe not necessarily a deep dive, but it was like we, we talked in pretty in-depth about a, like a potential Uyghur extension, what that could look like and all that stuff. And then, of course, what happens the next morning? He signs a long-term extension. <laughs> um. We were talking, it's like, oh, we might gloss it over, you know, that's fine, don't need to worry about that. And then I think, um, I think it w- was the next day, or like a few days later, the Sutter extension dropped. And <laughs> we're like, oh, great, yeah. <laughs> we gotta go through this again. Yeah, now we gotta And of course, Mr. University over here has such a busy schedule, he can only do the morning before the home opener. So... Rusty beginnings, I'd say, mm-hmm. but you know, here we are talking about the summer of Brad and doing a deep dive into that. Because honestly, man, what a summer it's been! Incredible, absolutely incredible. Like I, I don't even know where to begin. Honestly, I think probably the best place to begin is the very beginning, uh, game five, round two, overtime. What, like what what were your immediate thoughts after Connor McNeckbeard scored that disgusting goal? Oh, I was absolutely heartbroken. Uh I was Dude, sitting in a oh bar watching the game with a bunch of Oilers fans and I was oh, You're in a bar. Oh. Ruthlessly ruthlessly mocked by them for the next like oh. 24 hours. It was absolutely terrible. That is <laughs> that is nasty. Um, I mean, I was watching at my, at my house by myself, probably for the better. Um, and I remember for the entirety of overtime, I was thinking like, they're not going to win this. Like, like not that I was being a negative Nancy or anything, but just seeing the way the Oilers were owning them. I was like, they, they, they aren't winning this. Like there's no way unless they're, they managed to turn it around. And as soon as McDavid got that open look, I was like, yep, that's it. That's it right there. And I remember I was already kind of like, I had my head kind of on my knees, like um, leaning forward in the chair I was sitting in. And when he scored, I just like curled into a ball and just like rolled on the floor. It was <laughs> it was really depressing. <laughs> um, but I remember after that, I... Um, I went outside my house and just sat on my front porch for like an hour, just like staring into the dark streets. Oh my just goodness. Contemplating life at that point. And the only thing that really stopped me was one of my neighbors, I think, saw me, came out, and he was on his front porch kind of looking at me. And that just. I don't know why that just snapped me out of my trance and I just scurried back in my house. But um, yeah, that was, that was terrible. And honestly, between that day and uh, free agency, not too much happened. Like there were rumblings of Johnny saying he'd sign long-term Kachuk saying he'd sign long-term. Um, and honestly, things were smooth sailing all the way until oh man i think it was july 12th the day before free agency opened man i remember these days like they were yesterday um yeah i remember i was heading on a camping trip with some of my friends on that day and i got a notification as i was driving as actually as i was driving into the campground because i remember the campground we were heading to had like really spotty service because it was in a valley. Um, and I got a notification like as we were driving in on my phone. Mm-hmm. And it, it from the NHL, it said that Johnny was testing the free market. And at first, I mean, I don't know how you were feeling, but I panicked a little bit. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is a little scary. But for me personally, I... 
I actually predicted like back in February because all my classmates from SAIT, they said like, like, oh, Ryan, what, what do you think Johnny's going to do? Do you think he's going to up and leave or do you think he's going to stay? And I was like, OK, look, boys, here, hear me out. I have a feeling he's going to he's going to test free agency. You know, he's going to get contract offers, lucrative contract offers from like the Flyers, the Devils, and maybe an outlier even being like the Islanders or something like that. But eventually he's going to, you know, take the bigger contract and stay in Calgary. That's honestly what I thought was going to happen. Um, so when I saw that he was um, testing the uh, free agency market, I was like, okay, this is this is exactly what I predicted. You know, there's no need for panic. And... You know, got to the campground, started setting up my tent and everything that took like maybe an hour, hour and a half, two hours even. And once I was done, I remembered, you know, the news I heard before I started setting up my stuff. And I with the service I barely had, I hopped on like Twitter and Instagram and everything. And I can't remember if you Reese, sent me something or I found out on my own. But I heard rumors that Johnny informed Calgary he was not returning. I was like, I was like, what? There, there, there's, there's no way. Yeah, no, I think I sent you something from like Elliot Friedman that said that like, yes, he was like, he was I, done. I Calgary. think that's it. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's that's the case because I remember first hearing it from Friedman. I think, um, but yeah, no, I, I, maybe I was just in denial, but honestly, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? He's leaving? Like, th there's there's no way. Like, he, he gave the team, like, no preparation. That's insane. I know, like, my first thoughts were, like, you know what? Like, he's from the Philadelphia, New Jersey area. Like, <clears throat> he's got something going with Chuck Fletcher down in Philadelphia. Or, you know, maybe he's heading to the Devils. Like, Surely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough to hear, but it's like, you know what? He wants to go home. At the end of the day, like you gotta respect that. Like, you know, he's Oh absolutely. He's absolutely he's earned his UFA status. Like he's played like seven seasons for the Flames and he's he's twenty eight now, so the ball's in his court. Oh yeah. But the thing that the thing that surprised me was just you know, he was displaying his loyalty to the team and all the way leading up to free agency, he said nothing about potentially leaving. Right, not that the Flames could have done anything about his departure, because I think yeah, um, Brad Trailiving was on um Spitting Chitlets the other day, and um the boys asked him um if he would have considered trading Johnny at like the trade deadline, which honestly would have been the only option, and of course any sane man he said no, <laughs> he wouldn't have traded him, so. Yeah, I guess, like, in that moment, I was just kind of trying to find something to latch on to, to, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for, to uh, define my anger, I guess? It's not quite the right word I'm looking for, but I think you kind of understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just, like, something to put blame on. I was just looking for that, and, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it, but I was like, all right, I guess he's, like, either going to the Flyers or the Devils, like... There's no other way. And then the next day, you know, I, w I was chilling, you know, doing camping things, you know, roasting some burgers on the barbecue, you know, just doing all that. And I decide to check Twitter like sometime throughout the day. And I find out he signs in Columbus. That was like the biggest slap in the face ever. <laughs> so um, I know... I can't quite remember the contract details, and I know you haven't pulled up. So, what were the exact details? So, uh, he signed for nine point seven five million dollars per year for seven years. Obviously, because he was able to hit the open market, so total volume of, or total value of sixty nine point two five million dollars. Nice. Um, well, okay, actually, not so nice, but and. Uh, I'm trying to remember how much money was Calgary offering him. Uh, I guess we didn't get an exact value, but I think 
uh, a lot of people. Oh, what have been the contract Huberto signed? I think it was Huberto was signed to that exact money. Yeah, I think it was right around like yeah. ten point five million per season. I think he was offered by the Flames in the end for for eight yeah, years. So he, obviously, he, he took a pay cut to go sign in and play willingly in Ohio. Like, huh? <laughs> and I think in terms of like. Uh, income taxes i actually think uh that alberta is like was more favorable than ohio situation so uh he would have actually netted more money overall in the long term oh my god had he stayed uh in uh calgary so that's another oh my gosh another head scratcher there but i mean yeah you know like like you said he earned the right to sign anywhere he wanted. You know, he's been playing his ass off the entire time he's been in Calgary. And, you know, last season, 115 points. And he was almost a finalist for the heart. Like, are you kidding me? So he definitely deserved the right to sign anywhere he wanted. But Columbus, though, like that, I did not see that one coming at all. I mean, I heard that, like, uh, Chuck Fletcher, uh, GM of the Philadelphia Flyers. Apparently, oh my God. he did not even place a call to Johnny's agent, despite the fact that there was some not so hittle, not so subtle hints that maybe Johnny would be interested in going home. So, I was gonna hit on that topic when you first mentioned that man's name. Oh my God, <laughs> I've always been a pretty avid hater of the Flyers, but. Like when I when I heard Chuck Fletcher pretty much come out and say like oh yeah I didn't feel like moving any contracts to sign Johnny like are you kidding me like we have like almost a heart finalist on the on the market and you don't even bother to move any contracts to sign him like you're an idiot I mean you look at some of the deals he has signed like leading up to free agency, like <laughs> mid-season, he signed Rasmus Ristolainen to a five-year, 5.1 million AAV deal. And I got to say, that's quite the massive overpay for the value that Ristolainen brings. And then like sure. on the opening of free agency, he signed Tony D'Angelo to like a two-year, $5 million deal <laughs> as well. So They're unintentionally tanking. I don't know if I've ever seen a team do that before. Mm-hmm. That's uh, anyway. Anyway, I'm getting myself too riled up about this. Um, so yeah, Johnny signs in Columbus. Big slap to the face, the entire city of Calgary. Um, but then I think fast forward like almost a week into I think it was Wednesday, the Wednesday of the next week. I don't know how I remember this so specifically. Um, he puts out a letter in the Athletic, and it's. It's honestly very heartfelt. And even when he signed in, in Columbus or he told Calgary he wasn't coming back, a part of me knew, like, you know, he wasn't being a dick necessarily. You know, he wasn't, like, just up and leaving. Like, there there, were, there was something underlying. And, of course, his, his article stated that it was really heartfelt. I felt really sad. And then I think literally, like, a few hours later... It came out that Matthew Kachuk was not willing to sign long term and that he was going to be traded. And I, oh my God, what a day that was. That was, that was, might have been the, one of the worst days of my life. <laughs> but, um, yeah, though I do really appreciate Kachuk and what he did. Um, cause he could have easily just, um, I think it was, he could have taken a bridge deal, right? Yeah. He um, yeah, he could have taken a bridge deal and walk himself to free agency next season, and we could have dealt with the Johnny situation next offseason with Chuck, and that would have just been absolutely terrible. Um, but he said to the team, like, hey, I'm not planning on signing long-term. He never even requested a trade. He just said, I'm not planning on signing long-term, so you know, do with that what you will. And of course... Big Balls Brad got to work. Um, and a list of teams um, was submitted by Kachuk to Brad. And it I can't remember the exact list, but all I know is that it included the Blues 
and the Panthers. I can't remember what other, what other teams. Do you remember by chance? No, I don't. But I mean, the Blues make sense because uh, that's like where like the Kachuk family is from, basically. So once oh, again, it yeah, makes sense that, that he's sense. looking to return home. Yeah, I think it was like six teams. I think I think the Golden Knights was one of them. And I think uh, the Blues actually did put in an offer for Kachuk. If I recall correctly, oh yeah, it was something like Tory Krug, a first round pick, and maybe Jordan Cairo, who recently signed like an eight year extension with the Blues at eight million per season. So yeah, and I remember being mad that Brad didn't accept that, but. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the firestorm that came along. Oh, wow. Absolutely. I was like shocked that he like uh, declined that offer, but that definitely told me that he knew he had something bigger in the works potentially. And oh boy, did that ever come true. <laughs> Honestly, I did not have much faith in Brad at that point. So when he, when I heard he didn't accept that trade, I was like, oh, great. <laughs> We're we're done. We're done, though. We're done. This podcast is not happening. We're done. <laughs> but July twenty second, what a day that was! It was a Friday, and specifically Friday evening, the trade. It's one of those events where, like, you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing when it happened. Do you do you remember what you were doing? Yeah, I think I was just like. Sitting in my house in High River, I think I was just like, uh, like working on a report Chilling. for some lab work that I had done earlier in the week, and uh. I see like some Twitter notifications coming in. I see Familia Friedman like, sounds like Matthew Kuchuk is on his way to Florida. And I'm like, okay, and <laughs> <Okay>. then <laughs> an absolute bombshell, uh, Jonathan Huberto who just scored 115 points, tied second in the league with Johnny for scoring, and Mackenzie Weeder, a guy who Ah. I have been a huge fan of for the last four seasons, are part of the return, and there's more on the way. That, wow. Just hearing you say that just kind of made me briefly relive that, those vibes, and oh my gosh, it's just insane. Um, for once, I actually, like, wasn't at home hearing this news. I was actually at a pub in, uh, downtown Calgary, specifically Dickens Pub. Shout out to Dickens Pub. They're absolutely incredible. Um, not sponsored yet. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, amazing, amazing place. Go there if you can. Anyway, um, I was down at Dickens when I heard the news, um, taking in some awesome live music. Um, and once again, I was, you know, chilling at, I was chilling at a table, listening to some music, um, sipping some nice drinks and I got a notification on my phone and it just said breaking news. And I I literally remember the wording to this notification. It just said flame star Matthew Kachuk traded to the Panthers. And I couldn't really check up on it because one thing about Dickens is that it's actually underground. You got to actually go down a few flights of stairs to get into the actual pub. And of course, service is spotty. And for some reason, I was like too in the moment, I guess you could say, to check for like hotspots or anything to connect to. So I was like trying, I was like trying to look on Twitter, Instagram for anything. and I could barely get it. After getting this notification, and I remember you were sending me things on Instagram, like, um, I think it was, like, tweets from, from Freege and everything, and I couldn't look at them because the service was so bad, <laughs> and um, the the band, their current set, they said that they were almost done, but I think they did, they did, like, two encores or something, and every time they did, I was like, oh, fellas, you're, you sound amazing, but I, I, I got to step out. And, of course, I, I didn't want to step out in the middle of their gig because that's just rude, you know? <laughs> um, so, you know, I stayed for their entire set. I'm, like, panicking, looking at my phone, and I'm with a buddy of mine who is not really into hockey all that much. And he kept saying – he kept asking me. He was like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you so – 
Why are you so dodgy on your phone? I said, like, bro, you, you don't understand. You don't get it. And I, I tried to explain to him that the Flames made a huge trade, and he was just kind of like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so once the once the set finished, I, I got up, and I, I went outside. I left the pub. I went outside, and by that time, the Flames made it official. And um, when I, I didn't see it at first... I I initially checked the the Fridge tweets you sent me, and I I can't quite remember exactly what they said, but um they said, you know Matthew Chuck was traded to Florida, and I remember my first thoughts because of course I had a lot of time to let this marinate in my mind before actually finding out the details. My first thoughts was like, oh my god, the Flames aren't gonna get much in return for Kachuk because like the Panthers would. Would they're not giving up like Barkov, Huberdo, even someone like Ekblad? Like there, there's no way. Like chances are the Flames are getting like a bunch of firsts back, and who the hell knows? Sam Bennett might be coming back to town. Like <laughs> who knows? So I was panicking, and then the first thing I checked when I got outside, I think, was the tweet you sent me, and it's kind of paraphrasing. But I'm pretty sure um, Frege said that the return, like in the replies of the tweet, he said the return is Huberto and more. And I thought, like, there is no way Brad pulled off this highway robbery of a trade. Because not only getting Jonathan Huberto, but more? What could this more be? And of course, you know, I immediately checked the official trade and the official trade was, you know, the flame said Matthew Kachuk and a conditional fourth round pick. Can't remember the year. doesn't really matter <laughs> to the Florida Panthers for Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, Cole Schwint, a top A prospect and a conditional first round pick in what year again? Okay, so uh, the conditional first is in 2025. However, right. uh, if that pick from Florida is top 10, uh, then it gets pushed back to 2026. Uh, oh, uh, that's the conditions. Okay. And then uh, if that first round pick gets pushed back to 2026, that fourth round pick that's going to Florida also gets pushed back to 2026. Mm. <laughs> well, um, didn't we, we sent that that first round pick to Montreal with uh, Monaghan, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I don't so. think it's with the Flames anymore. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, yeah. So absolutely insane vibes with that um, with that trade. And I also remember <laughs> a bit more of a personal story, but I actually, that same evening at that concert at um, Dickens Pub, I actually won a uh, signed... Chris Tanev jersey, that same night of the trade. Do you mind if I quickly t tell a little bit of a story? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So I I won't talk your ear off a little too much. This is kind of me just bragging a little bit. <laughs> but um, at the gig I was at, there was a silent auction going on. All, all sorts of cool things there. But the big thing they had was a uh, signed Chris Tanev jersey. Really nice. And on the bidding sheet... It was said to be valued at like $300, even though it was probably at like $400, $450, maybe even $500. Um, but anyway, so I'm watching the bidding sheet all night long because I, I, I've never um, participated in a silent auction or even like bidded in general before in my entire life. So it's like really playing it careful. Um, and I saw the bids slowly going up. It was like 100, 125, 130, 140. And about an hour before the auction closed, I decided like, you know what? Playtime's over. And I dropped 200 on it. Um, a $60 increase on the previous bid. Um, and yeah, like I said, I did that an hour before the auction closed. And every 10 minutes or so, I went to go check and just see if I got outbid because I really wanted this jersey. 
if someone put down like $201, guess what? I'm putting down 202. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was willing to take this the 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 length of the field. Um so I think about a half hour before the auction closed. Um I went to go check and from a distance I saw that someone wrote something down under my name and I'm like, "Oh god, here we go." And the bid was for $1,100, $1,100, and I thought, oh my god, like, are you serious, are you serious, I'm, okay, I'm not outbidding that, I, I legitimately cannot afford that, I'm not outbidding it, <laughs> um, and I, I, I was really sad about it, and kind of mad, but I guess I couldn't really be that mad, because all this money was going to a good charity, so, you know, if I were to actually be mad about it, then I just kind of come across sounding like a dick. But anyway, um, <laughs> but I looked at the name of that bid and it made me freeze because the name on that bid was Bruce Boudreaux. Barbecue Bruce. And I thought, no what? <laughs> <laughs> like, e either I'm blind and Brucey is somewhere around here, or th there is some some dude walking around sharing a name with Bruce Boudreaux. I, <laughs> in the moment, I didn't believe it. I honestly thought it was a fake bid. I even looked at the phone number, and it had like a different area code and everything. So I was like, okay, I think that's a fake bid. And if that is a fake bid, that man just netted me the win. But at the same time, I was also kind of hoping. It wasn't only because, like I said before, it was going to charity. And um, if they discovered it was a fake bid, then that's just, you know, that's 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 just a nasty situation. Um, and I remember around when the auction closed, the MC for the evening, who was actually it was Matt Berry from X929. Um, he went up on stage and, and they said that they reached their uh, $10,000 goal for the evening because someone won the signed Flames jersey because they put down $1,100. In that moment, I thought, oh my God, it was real. Crap. Like as much as I wanted that jersey, at least I didn't put down $1,100 on it. Because <laughs> it was, you know, money's going to a good place, but it's definitely not worth that money. But anyway, so, you know, I just kind of went along with the evening enjoying myself. And then I think about 20 minutes after the auction closed, I got a text on my phone say of someone saying, hey, the um, bid above yours was fake and you're the next one down. So you won. You, you, you won the jersey. And I immediately went back there. You know, I paid that $200 and I won a signed Chris Tanev jersey the same night of the Kachuk trade. So that was, <laughs> for me at least, a legendary night. That's pretty incredible because, like, that's a it's like an authentic Adidas like premier jersey. Oh like, yeah, those retail for like two fifty, and then you're adding like a signature on top of that, like two hundred bucks. Absolute steal of a deal right there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, recent I actually went to a uh, preseason game. Um, it was. Well, yeah, it was when the Jets were in town, and I wore I wore that jersey, and we went to a uh, bar afterward, and I still wore that jersey, and lots of people were like, "Damn, man, that's a nice jersey," and that just ah, oh, warmed my heart. But anyway, anyway, I, I, enough about myself. Um, so yeah, that trade was absolutely insane. I was on cloud nine for a while after that. And I guess some more important points to note about that. Uh... That was the first time in NHL history, like two uh, recent 100-point scorers had been traded for each other like in that same oh, season. Um, I don't think that's the exact stat. I think it's the it's the first time in the salary cap era. Oh, first time that two 100-point players have yeah. been traded, mm -hmm. which is insane because that that basically makes it the biggest trade of the salary cap era, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And that that puts, I mean, okay, the impact of like the Gretzky trade was definitely like way, way, way higher. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But in terms of like you know players going back and forth, um, the Kachuk trade isn't 
necessarily on the same level, but it's not that far down from how big that trade was. Do I sound insane saying that, or like, do you kind of understand where I'm coming from? I, mean, I get what you're saying, but the Gretzky trade was pre-salary cap era. The salary cap was introduced in 2005, 2006. Yeah, so that, that's why I say. That's why I say, like, you know, since this is the biggest of the salary cap era, it kind of puts it on. Okay, you know what? I think I do sound insane. Let's just move on. <laughs> I don't think I'm getting my point across. And anyway, so uh, this was actually the first time in NHL history there was a sign-in trade involved. In yeah, NBA. I was going to get to that, yeah. So uh, before the Flames traded Kachuk away, uh, they signed him to an eight-year deal uh, at $9.5 million uh, annual average value, so a total of $76 million. And one of the conditions in that trade probably was trade me. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they couldn't have just like uh, flipped around, flipped at the bird and said, no, we're not trading you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Imagine. But um, yeah, the first ever sign and trade in NHL history. Big balls, Brad. Leave them to it. Oh, my gosh. Um, but yeah, no, for, for, for the rest of the offseason, like everything just kind of seemed like a blur almost um everything was silent for a little bit i think and then there was just like a one week span i think oh man at the beginning no not the beginning of september the be um like mid-august i think it was yeah it was like mid-august where brad just went absolutely insane because <laughs> in that one week span I don't really remember the timeline behind this one, but all I know is that Shillington was signed to a deal, Mangiapane was signed to a deal, and then something else. <laughs> okay, so uh, he signed Shillington. It was a $2.5 million AAV for two years, and that does walk him right to unrestricted free agency after that deal expires. And uh, with Breadman Montiapani, he signed him to a three-year deal at $5.8 million uh, AAV. And once again, that does walk him right to unrestricted free agency. Yeah, that's that's a bit tough. Mainly, uh, I think more for Montiapani. Mm -hmm. um, mainly because I think, uh, when, does this, when does this contract expire again? Uh, I believe it's after the 2024-2025 season. Yeah, because I think it's in the, um, correct me if I'm wrong, it's in the 2025 offseason where the Flames have a stupid amount of free agents. I can't quite remember the exact players, but all I know is that Lindholm and Toffoli are headlining that class. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, not good, but I mean, that honestly gives the Flames a solid Stanley Cup window that's open now, pretty much, all the way until 2025. So they, they got like three years to, to get it done. Um, but yeah, so those signings happened. It was all good and dandy. And then the big one. <laughs> um, I, can't, I can't remember the exact day, but um, I, w I woke up to the news and I was, I was surprised. Uh, so it was August 4th, actually. Uh... August 4th. Okay. And Brad, uh, after whining and dining, uh, Jonathan Huberto signs him to a eight-year deal at $10.5 million per season. Uh, That's right. I forgot that signing happened like within that week. Yeah. And it's important to note that uh, that kicks in after this current season because uh, right now he's on uh, the final year of a 5.9 million AAV deal. He signed with Florida. Yeah, that he signed in, in Florida. 2017. So yeah, that's going to keep him uh, with the Flames for the next nine seasons, hopefully. Yeah, that is, ah, oh, it's absolutely insane. Um, but <laughs> when I said the big one, that's that's not what I I, I meant. The big free agent signing. <laughs> um. Yeah, once again, it was just one of those things where I I remember what I was doing when I heard about that when I heard about that news, um, because once again I was just conveniently out doing something when it happened. Do you remember where you were when the Cadre signing happened? I do, yes. 
I was actually uh, just in the lab doing some lab work and like some of the students. Casually. Was, yeah, I, I was actually. And so some of the students <laughs> that I was supervising, like uh, they were hockey fans. I think one of them was an Oilers fan, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, I you. I was like watching the uh, the entire saga like develop on Twitter. And I was like, oh, I was absolutely losing my mind. I was like, absolutely. There's no way we just signed Nazem Kadri. Yeah. Um, I didn't see that build up at all because I, <clears throat> I actually found out when I was on the road. Um, I, I, I was not looking at my phone while driving. I have an Apple watch just for, <laughs> just for the record. I was not, I, I do not do distracted driving. Okay. I'm a good boy. Um, I got a, um, when I, when I was at a stop sign, I actually, um, I have my, I have my phone mounted on my dash and I checked it to check the time. And I saw you sent me a Fridge tweet. It was a link to a Fridge tweet. And then you captioned it with like, Oh my God, or, or something like that. And I thought like, Oh man, some team just did something stupid or something like that. And then while I was on the highway, you know, my watch vibrated. I looked at it. And it said breaking news, the flame sign Nazm Kadri. And I remember I, I screamed at pretty much at the top of my lungs to myself in the car, the flame sign Nazm Kadri. And I was like in hysterics. I couldn't believe it. And unfortunately, I was on the highway. I was on my way to my first ever uh, tattoo consultation appointment. And of course, you know, I wanted to sound like I knew what I was talking about, even though I really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I got there and my voice was shot. Like it literally, I sounded like prepubescent 12 year old. Like I was talking like this oh God. and it was really bad. Like it was so <laughs> bad. And I, I, I made a fool of myself. I think my artist was like heavily judging me. But once I got back out to my car... And that's when I looked at my phone. I was checking everything, and yeah, it was it was all real. And I I think I I sat in the parking lot for like twenty minutes just looking looking at it all and taking it in. Yeah. So the details of that contract are uh, seven years, obviously, because uh, they signed him as a free agent, uh, and it was seven million dollars per season. Uh, so for the first four years of that, he has a no movement clause. And then uh, for the final three years, he has a, a modified no-trade clause, so he submits a 13-team uh, no-trade list for that. And uh, yeah. a consequence of that deal, of course, uh, for the Flames to be able to have the cap space to sign Kadri is they had to dump Sean Monaghan's salary to the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, they packaged Monaghan and a conditional 2025 first-round pick. Uh, to get rid of like uh, the last like six point three seven five million dollars for one year. Of yeah, that was that was sad very to unfortunate. Go. But but, Monty did score in the Hab season opener against the Leafs, and that that made me shed a man tear. Mm-hmm. He actually he played a that really really good to game. Watch. Yeah, I I didn't really see his exact game, but I did see that goal in the highlights and ah. Uh, beauty absolutely i yeah. i miss that man mm-hmm. but anyway anyway mo- <laughs> moving on from that yeah like after that honestly thought the summer of brad was done but then um and stop me if i am missing anything because so much happened this offseason it's hard to keep track of um training camp came around and the ptos came rolling and there were two pretty striking individuals signed to PTOs. Yeah, so uh, first up was Cody Eakin. Uh, he spent last year with Buffalo, uh, kind of manning the bottom six. You know, nothing too, nothing too exceptional there. But yeah. I think the big fish uh, that we signed to a PTO was Sonny Milano. And Sonny Milano's case is rather intriguing because... Uh, after starting out with the Blue Jackets, like his development didn't really seem to be going so well. And then he ended up with the Ducks uh, for the 2019-2020 season. And he's been steadily progressing since then. And last year, he had a yep. career season uh, playing on a line with Trevor Zegers down in Anaheim. 
I think he had a uh, 34 points in 66 games, and he's still only 26 years old. So uh, he was an oh, RFA wow. for the Ducks, uh, but very interesting that they chose not to even qualify him. So he went straight to the open market, and shockingly, like there was definitely some interest in him, but no one signed him all the way up until training camp. Yeah, and honestly, I was. Yeah, I didn't really know about his contract situation at the time. So when I heard the Flames signed him to a PTO, I was surprised because um, I knew the Flames were interested in him for a very long time. But to hear that he was signed to a PTO was like, oh, my God, that's cool. That's great. <laughs> and then training camp went along um, without a hitch, pretty much. And, you know, preseason came and went. And then with those PTOs, um, Cody Eakin was let go mainly because, um, the Flames center depth is insane. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and a guy coming up like, like Ruzitska has a bit more upside mm-hmm. than Eakin. So that's the reason why he was let go. And like, man, I, I wish he was signed only because of how well that man's flow went oh, with the jerseys. Oh, pretty nice. Beauty. And something really, really strange. And honestly, when I saw this, I thought, like, man, maybe they are going to sign him. Was, I think, a preseason game in Vancouver. They gave him the A. Like, he doesn't even have a contract with the team. (laughs) Like, what? I mean, stuff like that happens all the time in preseason. Like, especially when you're running, like, mostly, like, AHL guys. Like, they just kind of don't I guess that's true, but... Letters to whoever, but... (laughs) It surprised me. It, it made me laugh. But yeah, so that, that that's with Cody Eakin. Um, but Sonny Milano, he was released too, and that one surprised me. Not not that not I was surprised that he was released, but it's just how he performed. Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, a lot of people expected that it was almost a lock for Milano to get maybe a one-year, $1 million deal, like he would be like the perfect guy to give you like some some middle six scoring punch, but I guess his performance in preseason was definitely quite underwhelming. So, yeah, so that sucks. And honestly, I still I don't know who he could be in the market for, but I think Brad is still in the market for like a top six forward to slot into the lineup. Um, but yeah, so those are the PTOs. Um, geez, what what else happened after that? I think after that one, for for me at least, I truly thought the summer of Brad was done, but no. Boy, oh boy, <laughs> were you wrong. So I believe it was just last Friday, same day as the Flames and Jets game we went to. Yeah, it was last Friday. And I remember the day before we had the first episode all recorded and ready to go. And then that news dropped like the next morning. And I remember I texted you and I was just like, like, this is amazing news, but man, we're going to have to re-record now, (laughs) man, this podcast business sucks, (laughs) but yeah, no, it was, it was really great to hear about that signing. Yeah. So Brad to complete the absolute leasing of the Florida Panthers signs Mackenzie Weger to an eight year deal with an annual average value of $6.5 million per season, right around what Hampus Lindholm got from the Boston Bruins uh, earlier in the year. And it's important to note that that kicks in after this season because he still has this current season remaining at uh, $3.25 million that he signed with the Panthers back in 2020. And so on the new deal, uh, the first four years, he has a no-trade clause. And then for the final four years, uh, he has a modified no-trade clause, so he submits a a 10-team no-trade list. That's incredible. We we, we have Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Wieger, who everyone thought they were going to be gone next season for nine years. Like, what? Absolutely. And a lot of people, since uh, Huberto is from Quebec, a lot of people were assuming that he'd ride out the year with the Flames. He'd sign with the Habs, uh, and that would be it. And Weger would hit the open market and, you know, cash in massively with some other team. But 
the fact that Brad was able to get both of these guys signed to be like the core of this team for the foreseeable future, absolutely incredible. A guy like Mackenzie Weger, uh, I guess you'd say he isn't exactly a household name, but... Uh, not yet. No, not yet. But he was drafted <laughs> in the seventh round uh, in 2013, 206th overall. And for the past uh, six years in Florida, he's like quietly been their second best defenseman behind Aaron Ekblad. Arguably even their best defenseman at times, especially when like for the past two seasons, Ekblad has suffered like pretty major lower body injuries to end off the season. So for example, like last year, he had... 44 points in 80 games. Season before that, 36 points in 54 games. But that's not what his game is. His game is like just a solid, responsible two-way defenseman. Like his his analytics are fabulous, both on the offensive and defensive sides of the pucks. So this guy is an absolute stud. Yeah, and I read something. This is like shortly after the Kadri signing. Um, and Uyghur fits in right with this, and same with and same with uh, Kadri. Um, Brad somehow took these guys, these three guys who have never played a game with this team yet. I mean, until tonight, but they they still have yet to play a game in a Flames uniform, and he's managed to convince them to commit the rest of their primes to Calgary to the Flames, and that just like, that puts it in a complete new perspective for me. Like, that is absolutely insane. Absolutely. And this is after years of people saying, oh, you know, like, no one's, like, free agents don't want to go to the Flames. No one wants to play in Calgary. There's no way you can attract big free agents to come to the city of Calgary. But obviously, that has been completely disproved in this offseason by some fine work by Brad. And honestly, I mean, Maybe I'm a bit of a pessimist, but I didn't think he had it at him to do something like this. I always thought Brad was the guy who sat around during the most crucial times. Um, and he didn't, he was too scared to make the big moves. But oh my God, how wrong was I? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this offseason was well, obviously the most important offseason for the Flames. Uh, in the last 10, 15 years. And I guess we knew that going in, but you know, imagine oh, yeah. Johnny walks away. Maybe we trade Kachuk for prospects and firsts. And we're kind of stuck in this awkward position where we don't have the star power. And we're really not good enough to compete for a cup, but we're also, you know, not in a position to absolutely tank and go for a guy like Bedard or Mitchkov this season. So that is absolutely We'd literally be the Minnesota Wild. Absolutely, yeah. And that would be a terrible <laughs> position to be in as a franchise, but Brad like... Especially as a Canadian mm-hmm. franchise. Yeah. So yeah, for the longest time I I I thought to myself that yeah, the the Flames are the most um the most mediocre and the most irrelevant Canadian franchise. Like they got they got like nothing going. The future is up in the air there's nothing clear going on here but yeah i know honestly i thought there was a rebuild um imminent for this team and that's why like you know i heard about the kachuk news and i held the podcast idea away from you because i was like yeah start trying to start a podcast in the middle of a rebuild like that's probably not going to go over too well (laughs) but no man brad managed to turn it all around and i guess there's been uh, a lot of criticism perhaps thrown around about the length of some of these deals that have been given out this off season. Like uh, all three of those guys are going to be in their late thirties by the time these deals expired. Uh, but yes, it's important to consider that like the flames are in win now mode. Their goal is to win a Stanley cup in the next three to four years. So you sign these uh, seven and eight year deals, the expectation that, okay, the last three or four years are probably not going to be very pretty, but it's the first four years where we're going to do our damage here. Exactly. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, like, you know, we have that like three year window to win a Stanley cup and it's pretty insane. Um, according to uh, moneypuck.com on Instagram, they have insane NHL analytics. They really dig deep into the stats 
um, and they come up with some really great numbers and some really great statistics of their own. And every, um, I think every few days they update it. They have a giant pie chart of the playoff odds and cup odds of every single team in the NHL, all 32. And even like with how bad they are, they all have a slice of the cake. Like I think, for example, like the Arizona Coyotes are starting off with like a 6% chance of making the playoffs. And even though they have that 6% chance, it all factors down into um, cup winning odds. And even though like, yeah, the Coyotes are not going to win the cup. They have like the smallest sliver of the pie still. And um, Money Puck released their their first pie chart um, right when the preseason ended. And um, of course, you know, I immediately looked at the cup winning odds and looked to see who had the highest odds and up there, like I think the the Panthers had like a seven and a half percent chance. The the Leafs had an eight percent chance. Same with the Avalanche. But the highest odds to win the cup at eight point three percent were the Calgary Flames. Moneypuck.com had the Flames as their cup winning favorites, and honestly, that kind of scares me a little bit. I mean, keep in mind, I think Moneypuck has had the Flames like at the top for like two of the past four seasons i think so that's true some skepticism is definitely necessary yeah and like i said you know it's completely based on numbers um anything can happen like the coyotes could put together a legendary squad and win the cup (laughs) very unlikely but you know nothing is off the table here but um but yeah, no, seeing the Flames rank that high is insane. And even hearing like um NHL insiders, like I think um oh man, who was it? Um I think Craig Button. Um he ranked he had the Flames winning the West and I think the Hurricanes out of the East. Hurricanes or Rangers, I can't remember which. And he took the he he picked the Flames to win the cup. And I was like, man, I love to hear that, but it feels so weird. To hear about them being talked so highly and you know what like they, they have so much to prove still you know it's it's like a team with the lightning like yeah they lost in the cup final last year but they won two of the previous stanley cups they've been stacked for years so they've already proved that yeah they're a good team but the flames they, they haven't proved anything yet. Absolutely. I mean, you look at this a situation like this where, you know, you just lost two 100-point guys in the form of Gaudreau and Kachuk, who comprised arguably the best line in all of hockey last year. So you're completely Absolutely. reshaping the core of this team and that it does take time to, you know, develop chemistry between the new guys and get them fitting well. But I mean... In the case of Huberdeau, Weger, and Kadri, these guys are all legit superstars, I guess, in the case of Huberdeau. But I really don't think they're going to have too much difficulty making this work. Yeah, like my um, prediction for the season here is that um, I think the the beginning of the season is going to be a bit rough. You know, it'll be a bit of a a rough run out of the gate for the team because, you know... The roster's been shaken up so much. You know, it doesn't matter how much superstars you have on a team together. Like, if you don't give them a chance to, like, work together before, you know, releasing them out to the Wolves, it's it's not going to work immediately. And I think that that's exactly the case with the Flames here. You know, there's so many new guys together and such a different team on the ice. There, It's going to take a little while for everyone to work everything out. And even when we went to that preseason game against the Jets. Like, yeah, the the team seemed rusty. They weren't bad. They were just rusty. They just didn't really know how to work together just yet. Absolutely. And, of course, you always have to take what you see in preseason with a grain of salt. I mean, even though uh, the lineup they were rolling out that night was very similar to what they're going to be rolling out tonight for opening night. uh, At least one thing that I took away was there was a lot of fire in that preseason game. Uh, like, I oh, think Huberdeau yes. got into it in, like, the last couple of minutes with, like, Jansen Harkins of the Jets. Like, 
And uh-huh. this is just preseason, and, and like you know, he's he's a superstar for this team, but he really does seem invested in this team and getting us to the promised land. Oh yeah, oh they all do, which is absolutely insane. And I guess that brings us to uh, what the lineup is projected to be for opening night tonight. Mm-hmm. So uh, right now, according to Daily Faceoff, this was updated like three hours ago. Uh, the top line is Huberdeau, Lindholm, Toffoli. I think that's Love it. as expected. Second line is Dubé, Kadri, Amandiapani. Once again, that's, solid. That, that's very good. Uh, third line is Coleman, Backland, Lewis. Some real good, gritty bottom six guys. And yeah. fourth line is Lucic, Rooney, and Brett Ritchie. Cool. So absolutely, I mean, yeah. you look at that top two center depth, Lindholm and Kadri. Keep in mind, Kadri had, what was it, 87 points in like 71 games last year. Oh my god. And 70, yeah, 71 games exactly, yeah. So That's amazing. And, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good season of hockey, man. And then looking at the decor, uh top pairing is Uyghur and Tanev, which <laughs> that's a a rock solid pair right there. And then uh second pairing is Hannafin and Anderson. And finally, uh Nikita Zadorov and uh your new favorite player Mike Stone. <laughs> oh wait, Mike Stone made the opening night roster? Uh it's because Oliver Yo. Shillington uh, Oliver Shillington is out with an injury. Well, I'm, it's not an injury, he's away. Uh it's for a undisclosed personal matter that he's dealing with. Okay. So, uh there's no that update makes sense. on when he's going to be back, but that's why Mike Stone starting. And I guess okay. an important thing to note about the Flames decor, uh, obviously Uyghur was not there last year and we had Eric Goodbranson. Uh, shout out Columbus for giving him $16 million <laughs> over four years. Uh, fantastic <laughs> work there. Anyway, Daryl Sutter helped him make the bag. Wow. Yeah, and like last year, the Flames decor was quietly one of the best in the league analytically. I mean, there was no... No one on there really stood out as a superstar, perhaps. But they were quietly uh, almost unmatched in a lot of areas last year. So very exciting that we get to add uh, an absolute stud like Mackenzie Weger to an already fantastic group. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it's dreamy. But yeah, like like I was saying, like, yeah, I think it's going to be rough out of the gate. But when the calendar flips to, like, November... It's we're going to see some amazing hockey played and I'm so excited. So, yeah, I think we should wrap it up here. Do we do we forget to touch up in any points? Oh, the Sutter extension. Yeah, we got the Sutter extension. Uh, So, I mean, the exact financial details of the contract haven't been released, but uh, just this last week, uh, they signed Daryl Sutter to a two year deal. So that's going to take him to the end of the 2024-2025 season. And I believe he'll be uh, 67 at that point. So <laughs> That's absolutely insane. But yeah, that man is committed to bringing this team to the promised land more than anyone, honestly. And that kind of, <laughs> that almost scares me a little bit because I know for a fact, like the Flames are going to be in rebuild mode in the, in like, five or six years or so and if Sutter is still around by that time (laughs) he's gonna somehow still drag that team to the playoffs (laughs) even though they are tanking (laughs) so um but yeah I know um Daryl Sutter absolutely amazing head coach for this team the perfect head coach I'd say but um yeah I think it's also worth touching up I guess you know we for opening night tonight um you know we talked about the forward core the defensive core but what about what's going on in net? Not too like there's not too much to report, but I mean it's it's worth touching up on. So, I mean I haven't seen the official report, but I I I guess it's it, it'd be dumb to say that Markstrom isn't starting. And you know backing him up is Dan Vladar, Darth Vladar. Absolutely, I mean a guy like Jacob Markstrom finished second in Vezina voting last year. So people forget. People forget. I mean, that. you could say a questionable uh, showing in the second round of the playoffs last year, but I think Markstrom's got a lot to prove this year, and I think he's hungry for success. 
Yeah. Oh. And <laughs> something so else to be excited about in net is uh, just a note from last year. Uh, Dustin Wolf, goaltender yeah, for uh, their AHL team last year. He was AHL goaltender of the year. And he's currently considered one of the top goaltending prospects the entire league. So he's perfectly positioned to take over the reins from Markstrom once he starts to get up there and starts to decline. Oh, yeah. And we, 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 we are going to be able to have the privilege to see Wolf play with the Wranglers. Like, oh, man, it's, it is such an amazing time for Calgary hockey right now. Like, it's, oh, love to be here. But, yes, yeah, so I think we'll wrap it up on that high note. You know, I'm excited for the season. You're excited for the so season. Excited. We're all excited. It's going to be great. Uh, shout out Ben Haggins for making the logo. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Man rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the logos turned out really nice. Even if they took a long time, um, to be made, they turned out really great. So thank you, uh, Ben for making those logos and also shout out to my man, um, Ahmad Woldrof for voicing our wonderful intro. Um, he is a classmate and a good friend of mine from Sate, and he has one of the most buttery voices I've ever heard in my entire life. So thank you for voicing our intro. Thank you, Ben, for making our logo. Looking forward to all the collaborations we'll potentially be doing in the future. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and everything. We'll be super active over there. And yeah, man, I'm looking forward to the future. It's looking great. Absolutely. All right, fellas, we'll see you on Monday. Be sure to be here when the new episode drops. We'll be covering everything you need to know about your Calgary Flames. All right, take care.